Thank you for tuning in. This is our podcast, Healthy Families First, and I'm your podcast host, Dr. Raquel Lea. You can visit our blogger, texashealthyfamiliesfirst.blogspot.com or stop through our website at learn-edu.org for resources, tips, legislation changes and updates, sponsorship, and membership. We are listeners supported by members like you, and we've heard your requests. So, we have four advocacy goals. America's future legislative processes in family court, generational kinship and communication between parents and child, economic and educational freedom, and effective justice for parents. Thank you for tuning in. Now, let's get started. Thank you so much for tuning in. You're listening to Healthy Families First, and I am your host, Dr. Raquel Lea. It has been a wonderful vacation, <laughs> and we have not broadcast for about, I think, 30 days. We're excited to be back. Both of my, <laughs> both of our volunteers are here, ready to um, <clears throat> listen in, listen to reports, check emails, send things out. Thank you so much for, for hanging in there while we went through <laughs> our obligatory Jewish uh, prayers and, and things for the holidays that we needed to do. So just to kind of update you on our strategic planning and what's going to continue with the show. This is something that we are committed as a board to do. So if we have bumps and bruises in the road, that's just something that we've decided to overcome with you in mind. And one of the things um, that we do is we partake in uh, some of the Jewish festivals and holidays. And that does include um, in the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Um, That means for the month of Tishrei, more than likely we won't be on the air. This caught us unexpectedly. <laughs> now, the holiday is not unexpected, but what was unexpected about it is what were we going to do about it? So we had a meeting and said, you know what, we're off the air, you know, pause um, all business activities, which included grants and funding and and everything else, lights, bill, it includes everything. And so to set the Jewish New Year straight for us. We wanted to do our mitzvah and include in our traditions um, what we consider some of the more important things of why we're bringing broadcasting and families to you. So if we want to honor you with families and, and learning how to guide your life and put some perspective on the things that um, are most important in Uh, observing families and generations and traditions we also want to pause for a time of the year and and give credence to the beauty of family and what we believe was designed to keep your generations going and for us that includes um, an exceedingly appropriate time to pause and just honor the people around us and whatever festivities that means you celebrate, then take the time to do that. And so now we're back. <laughs> and and everyone was inconvenienced. The beautiful part about it is that next year we will remind we will put it in our strategic plan. So around March and April and May, we'll begin to mention it. We'll have an upline. We will be 100% off the air for that time. We don't play reruns. We're not going to um, do charity events. We're, we're not going to have other people, you know, have the broadcast going. It stops. It stops so that people can seriously honor their generations, who they believe God is in their life, and then strategically plan for their own life their own level of repentance or their own level of giving, their own oral tradition, their own culture. And the the honoring thing to do is to start building an infrastructure that includes the most 
honored high holiday that we can have. So we were all taken by surprise. (laughs) We didn't know how we were going to implement. And we got some advice from Israel and decided, you know what? Drop it. (laughs) And it gave us time to reflect on how we were going to do it next year, how we were going to implement things and how to move forward. The who, what's, when, where, how, why's. Who's going to be responsible for it? How do we let our uh, listeners know? When do we start observance? Do we send out emails? What do we so? <laughs> All that strategic planning has been done and and put in place for the 2020-2021 calendar Tishri for next year. So that's that's really a good implement for us, things that we need to think about now as we begin to plan for a three-year wonderful process. Let's take a short break. (laughs) Let's pay some bills with our sponsors. As a nonprofit doing the most good, the Breaking Generational Curses series and Healthy Families First is promoting healthy parent-child relationships when there is a kinship split. No communication, no awareness, no occasional meetings, no nothing. And our intent is an information hub for parents to approach healing and recovery in safe spaces. Our broadcast will be featured in 47 countries and all USA podcast panels. Stay tuned for an open call to beta testers, listeners, sign-ups, and support. And again, thank you for listening. Visit CIDFUND.org. That's CIDFUND.org. Become a patron-level corporate sponsor. Tech taught by the Cog of Dallas and Technology, a private U.S. for-profit company founded in 1992 that specializes in information security, cybersecurity training, and selling certificates. Topics available for training include cyber and network defenses, penetration testing, incident response, digital forensic, and audit. The information security courses are developed through a consensus process involving administrators, security managers, and information security professionals. Visit their website today. And we're back. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Healthy Family healthy families first. <laughs> and I am your host, Dr. Raquel Lea. All right. So we talked about holidays and strategic planning for 2020. Let's talk about, um, just be- before we get into the topic of today, let's go through kind of what we missed for the month of Tishrei, for the month of September, uh, parts of October, things of that nature. All right, so I just want to mention the white elephant in the room. If I don't mention it, I'm going to get a lot of emails. And Camilla's already backed up on emails. (laughs) About 45 to 60 days. You know, she had a baby. She has family. So she has things she has to do. So she's already backed up on emails. All right. I have to mention the elephant in the room. The way I planned it is to just mention it. And throw it out there. I'm going to get some emails about it. I don't really feel friendly about it. Here's the elephant. We have an impeachment inquiry going on. (laughs) I don't care how you feel about it. Nobody cares how I really feel about it. The decision was not made 
based on someone listening to Dr. Achillea. Trust me, that's not how the decision was made. (laughs) But it's the elephant in the room. Our country is going through something. Our traditions and our cultures are changing. And I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I don't believe that culturally speaking we're changing because um of whatever you believe is going on with the with the Trump administration. I believe that things are changing because we have a new system in place that involves a new cultural dynamics. This is the first time in world history that technology has been as extreme as it has been that have repercussions that we as a country never anticipated. And and I'll give you an example. And I, and I use this example in a broad sense, very broad sense, but it I think people understand the connotation of where I'm coming from. I like to think of 2019 and this 21st century as somewhat Pandora's box when you think of technology and just the ideal of it is it, it, just a mythical story that talks about you open up a source of great and unexpected troubles. All right. So alternative, alternatively, it could mean that what you want is given to you, but it also comes with a detriment. That being said, that's what we have in this 21st century with technology and the pros and prongs that it brings. It's kind of like a porcupine. The meat is great, but can you get to it? <laughs> you know, you you know, it's a dog trying to sniff a porcupine. <laughs> Good luck. You you it, it's it, it, you're gonna get hurt. You know, so <clears throat> that's where we are. In technology, that's where we are in our presidency. And I think that culturally speaking, that's where we are as a country. And you can only put so many worms back in the can. You have some that squirtle down into the ground, some that are going to, you know, that you'll actually take and put back in the can. And the more you try to put them back in the can, the more you have a hot mess on your hands. Some you can get back in the can. You may you may recapture about 30 percent, 70 percent are out. And they all have repercussions in ways that you probably didn't anticipate and probably didn't imagine. For example, I at one point in time in my life, wanted to be in advertising, not journalism. I, I, I'm a business person, so I understand business. I understand the nature of business. Entrepreneurship has been a place where I feel most comfortable in my career. And yet, there's, there's an idea that entrepreneurship and business can only go so far unless you actually identify with your consumer. The only way you can do that is with advertising and marketing. So using the internet for purposes of advertising and marketing is wonderful. It can bring you great possibilities. What do you do with that data and how you extract that data from your consumers may infringe on their rights. So you have this good thought and this good plan of extracting data so that you learn what your consumers like and how to advertise for them. Perfect. But you also may enter into a danger zone where it's their personal identifiable information. It's it's their personal information, things that you should not know or they didn't want you to know or give you permission to know in your in their family. If if I if I enter into someone's mobile phone with with hacking equipment. That is not illegal. That is not an illegal thing to do if I want to figure out what my fiance is doing. And so I download an app that I'm able to listen in on his phone. I'm able to track his telephone. I know where he is. That's public information. Well, what did we do in this country for that to be public information? What, is the, what are some of the laws that we create? People may not feel comfortable with that. Yet, if I get some binoculars and I climb a tree... And I enter, I I look through someone's window while they're dialing a a security code on their mobile phone. That's illegal. (laughs) But aren't I a peeping Tom when I use technology now to implement 
what I believe are effective ways to spy on my on my fiance. Isn't isn't that the same thing? So if I use technology to spy on my fiance, it's not illegal. But if I take some binoculars, climb a tree. <laughs> And use those binoculars to peer into his window while he's on that same mobile phone. That's illegal. So there's a Pandora's box for you. Technology has us in a funny space, culturally speaking. If if I want to slander someone in the 1980s and I, I went and I, I put certain measures or started a slandering campaign, I could possibly, possibly... I could go to jail or have some fine. They could bring me to court if they can prove that it was me. If those things were hurtful and not true, then it caused damage to that person, their family, maybe their resources. That person can sue me. Yet, if I get on Twitter and just tweet it out, it can be something called an alternative truth. And culturally speaking, in our old tradition today and how we run the country today, that is not illegal. So what... I'm saying to you, with this um, impeachment inqu- inquiry, is, is that's, what, that's how I started the conversation, is that I think this is more about how we want to present the country globally to others and how do we as patrons that live on these lands and protected by these shores and the Department of Homeland Security and other infrastructures, how do we want to move forward as a culture and a people? So that's going to take setting a standard and setting some things in place saying, hey, this is how we're going to mold our generation. This is the line. Here's how we move forward. Now, that's how we decide to move forward today is not how we decided to move forward when I was growing up. These things have changed. And one of the Pandora's box that have allowed these changes to take place has been technology. And what, what the the tentacles that it has, as we begin begin to build more source code and more infrastructure, and and garner more from the internet and technology, what do we consider off limits as a country? And I am not a politician. I am apolitical. I will swing a vote. I will vote for Democrat, Republic, Independent, Grassroots, Green Party, what have you. And I'm just mentioning this because we have to talk about the elephant in the room because it implements plans on how we protect our children and our generations with immigration and with children's rights as well as parental rights. So I have to talk about the elephant in the room without talking about politics. All right. Culturally speaking, we are going through changes in our country where we begin to define what's off limits. Now, I'm going to take a short break. And I want to mention just one other perspective on that, and then we'll change the topic. As an NGO, the Cognitive Institute of Dallas and Technology is a nonprofit active in education, philanthropy, and other areas to affect change according to objectives in cybersecurity. While they support a format for vendors to offer courses, more often hosted events require organizational sponsorship and planning. Included is a suite of interactive learning tools for stimulating scenarios such as cyber attacks. They offer software development, security courses for professionals and CE units. Visit their website today. And we're back. Thank you for listening in. You are listening to Healthy Families First, and I am your host, Dr. Raquel Lea. So, <laughs> thank goodness we're back. Um, I was mentioning about culture and our our country going through some changes and the impeachment inquiry there was a you know i was really young i didn't understand the clinton impeachment process 
First of all, I didn't know why everybody was so ticked off. He did something with some lady named Monica Lewinsky. I didn't even know that there was a Monica Lewinsky. And I think she was probably in her early 20s when I saw her on TV. You know, she's about a decade older than me. So when I saw her on television, I thought she was pretty young. I was like, oh, there's this 17-year-old. You know, she she looked about 17 or 18 in my view. I didn't know what she did with the president. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know she slept with the president until the 19, I don't know, 2000 something. I, I didn't Listen, when the impeachment process was going on, I did not know that our president was up for impeachment because he did what Congress thought was improper or had some improper relation with Monica Lewinsky. I'm trying to be vague, okay? Because I don't want to get into the personal opinion about it. What I'm trying to say is that in that time, there were certain ways we communicated indecency to the public. And it protected my child rearing because I didn't even know. For ex- when when Anita Hill and what was doing the was was doing the public uh, hearings the reason i looked at that is because as a as a child i think i was under the age of 18 as well with with anita hill i think or in my early 20s so when that happened i'll tell you i didn't even know why she was testifying i had no idea all i saw was this beautiful brown chocolate woman with gorgeous lips and gorgeous skin tone and everybody, all of these white people listening to her and some of them were talking to her harshly and some of them were talking to her in a bantering way and she was holding her composure. She looked epic to me. You didn't see many black people on television. Even when you looked at the show, The Cosby Show, a lot of those people were not as dark complected as I was and the more popular ones were lighter complected. So this generation at that time, this country, were going through a movement with black people and to see a black person holding the audience of so many white men in the 1980s was epic. And I watched it. I had no idea. I think I didn't understand about Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas until um, we were in some government class in college. This was like a decade and a half later. Did I find out exactly what had happened? And my heart went out to her. And now you have this, you also had at that same season of time, something with Bill Clinton. And, and I, I didn't understand the gyration of um, what had happened and, and until I think uh, the Bush era and second Bush, you know, I, I, I didn't, or maybe first Bush, it was vague. And you look at what technology has brought us now and it is all out in the open. Kids know the terminologies. They know the words. They're downloading. Everybody has a sex tape. It's on TV. It's being uploaded. I mean, culturally, we've gone crazy (laughs) when it comes to what a child has access to. And in my view, this impeachment inquiry is going to set a new stage on how we deal with technology moving forward. Is is it illegal for Russia to do what they did? Actually speaking, kind of, but no. You know, do we do do some things and hack and, and send out hackers to other countries? And it's it's called cyber warfare to some extent. Yes. And, and we have those protections set up with other countries. And and so now the truth gets muddy and it's I've never heard of an alternative truth until the um um, until the Trump administration. And then all of a sudden there's a whole Wikipedia page about alternative facts <laughs> and alternative truths. There's a new definition. I didn't know this. There was, listen, my parents believed in corporal punishment and, and that was, that was, this is what the truth was, is, and always will be. 
So culturally, this country is going into something significant where I can Wikipedia an alternative fact and there's an actual definition for it. It should be in the Britannica and there's an actual page for alternative truth. I didn't know these things. I'm not saying nor am I positioning myself on right or wrong what I think about anyone in politics today. That's not what the show is about. What I'm doing is I am addressing that the elephant in the room right now is the impeachment process. And now what do we do with the DACAs? What do we do with children in cages? I don't care who you are. You're not going to you're not going to take a United States citizen and put a United States citizen in a small cage that is of the age of nine or seven or three. You're not going to take a United States citizen that was born on these lands with a birth certificate and a mother and a father and put them in the cage. And what I'm saying to you is if you're putting them in a cage and they are three and five and nine, this is wrong. And I don't care where their citizenship is. So we need to set a standard in this country. Who in the world made the freaking cage for them to be able to sleep? I don't know. Don't get me started. Okay. I, I love you. Don't get me started. <laughs> so that's the elephant in the room. That's what happened when we were not broadcasting. <laughs> and so I have to move on because you, you know, you can get into it. The rabbit hole is deep. The rabbit hole is deep. Alice in Wonderland Wonderland would not jump down this hole today. All right. (laughs) She would back off. This yellow brick road, this particular yellow brick road may or may not lead to the land of Oz, my friends. (laughs) I don't. So, okay. Moving forward. That's all I'm going to mention about that elephant. I want to get back to some of the processes with families and then we have to I'm not going to go into the chapter book today since we took the month and a half off I have every excuse in the world why um, the e-junkie page is not ready for you to do some purchasing but I'm not going to give you any more excuses at this point what I'm going to say is that we're going to dive back in I think we're at chapter seven um, for the book so we'll be in chapter seven and then that'll be in the at the tail end at the beginning and then the tail end of the show as it usually is and then in the in the middle will be our commentary and how to link the book to actual facts that are going on today which is our normal flow and and procedure just for today we're going to play catch up with what we miss for the 30 to 45 days and how we can move together as an audience observing some things that are historically taking place Um, that may impact our children, that may impact our rights as parents, and how do we proceed, okay? One of the things um, that I don't know if you know happened, so I'm going to mention now. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I need to take one more short break. We'll be right back. Healthy Families First Broadcast remains a free service for listeners, authors, and guests. In large part, thanks to your generosity and financial support. Every time you donate to our membership platform and join our community, you benefit with engagement, tips, resources, and professional guides. With your generosity of $3, $28, $150, or even $500 a month, you have the comfort of set it and forget it approach. Visit our page. Visit patreon.com forward slash healthy families first and become a patron.
Healthy Families First magazine offers advertising package deals that include print, online banners, and radio show ads. We have experience working with custom ads to make readers stop and read the words by providing potential clients with an ad design, one that excels with media design and audience coverage. Contact Healthy Families First magazine by visiting our show page, bbsradio.com forward slash Healthy Families First. And we're back. Thank you so much for listening in. Uh, we have some new commercials and new sponsors coming up in January. So I will get with our broadcaster and with BBS Radio, who is awesome, and um, work with them on that right before the new Roman Catholic year, which is in January. Okay, so the the Jewish holiday calendar, the new year starts in September, and the Roman Catholic calendar here in the U.S. starts in January, where the ball comes down in New York, goes up, and I do have tickets to be in New York. <laughs> and now the the nightmare has already begun of me finding a place to park in New York for um, January. I don't know how that's going to happen, but I do have tickets. I'll, I'll, I'll be there. Okay, so back to the change I was going to mention to you that you may know about regarding families. Okay, so <clears throat> this is from, and I have to bookmark it. I don't think I bookmarked it earlier, so I'm going to put out a an article today. It's from ABAforLawStudents.com. So let me go ahead and bookmark it before I really kind of get into it, because if then I don't put it up, it's going to be a problem. People are going to be emailing me. So starting in 2016, I, I don't know if you know this, they are they have eliminated. And so usually what happens is that when a law um, goes into effect, it takes three years to be implemented state by state by state. So there's, that's a luxury that, that Congress gives the states because there may be some things that, that the states have to do to prepare a new mandate. But generally speaking, there is up to a three-year window. So some states, they implement a federal law the next day. You know, when it, when it becomes federal, you pretty much state by state know it's coming you go ahead and request funding just in case it is coming or you set aside funding and some kind of discretionary fund from from states and then you request that those funds back federally there's a whole process in implementing a new law once a mandate comes down federally so in 2019 this i mean 2016 this law went into effect and so each state should have it derived at this point um there's a no fault divorce is going away I don't know if you knew that if you get a divorce, your paperwork is going to be a whole heck of a lot more specific than you thought. There's no longer a mandatory separation period forcing a couple that, hey, if you want to file for divorce, you have to show that you weren't together at this time. Hey, you split this up. You split that up. That goes away. And despite having worked out other details your divorce decree now is going to be very specific. So be careful with that. So that no fault divorce where you have the liberty of just separating and then hiding or um, not being as specific in your paperwork on why you're getting a divorce, that goes away, gone. Um, so <clears throat> there's also these changes, these changes coming up on parental responsibility and parenting time. This is kind of where... Um, it's going to kind of get problematic. There's there's a more fluid and cooperative phase that they're using called allocation of parental responsibility. So there's no such thing anymore about sole or joint custody orders and neither parent will be considered custodial or non-custodial. Did y'all know this goes into effect this year? Yes. All parents unless the Department of Family Protective Services is involved, 
get at least some level of parent parenting time, no matter what, and under all conditions. Um, there, there is a thing now called relocation with the child. So uh, under a primary resident and parental rights of a child, there used to be a requirement that a child, the, the parent needs to go to court and say, hey, we, for whatever reason, we need to move away. That used to be fluid within the states. Now it's mandatory within each state. Each state in that order that if you, for example, if that child's original residence was in Chicago, that that child may not reside 25 miles outside of Chicago now. That used to be more fluid. A state could enforce that or not. Or now it's mandatory that each state enforce that, hey, this is that child's domicile city. And that if there's going to be a change in that, you have to go to court. Um, there now is a law that, and I don't, you know, I, I have to do some work on this because I hadn't heard about it. And so when we were putting the show together and people were, and it came up, I didn't know what the heck it was. And I just have to be honest, I haven't Googled it. Okay. Um, I haven't had a chance to go on. You can go to Congress's webpage on upcoming legislation and usually these things are here in detail but it's kind of legally-ish and then it'll vary when it hands down to the states so it might be something you want to look at but there's something called parentage parentage I'll spell it for you p-a-r-e-n-t-a-g-e parentage and basically what that means is that a person regardless of gender, can be presumed a second legal parent if they marry the, the, the legal parent. Now, here's where, here's where that kind of gets messed up. You have a child, you're a single parent. It doesn't matter if you're a male or female gender parent. If, if that, if you marry... If you marry a single parent, it doesn't matter if you're a male single parent or a female single parent. If you are, I can't say a custodial parent, if you are the residential parent, then that partner, regardless of gender, is the second parent. Now, this gets complicated. If that marriage doesn't last and there's a divorce decree, now that you are assumed a parent, you might be liable for child support. So... Now getting married now. Okay, hold on. Let me slow down because this was a hot topic. (laughs) This was, this was seriously a hot topic at our discovery table. So my heart's pounding because I I feel a certain kind of way about it. (laughs) The court, this, this is where you kind of, you kind of grit your teeth. The court has the discretion Hold, wait for it, wait for it, to refuse to order DNA testing if doing so would upset the stability of the child. (gasps) I don't understand. (laughs) This caused war (laughs) at our discovery table. And I said that I was going to present it. So I'm presenting it and I'm not going to give an opinion about it even <laughs> even though I am your host. <laughs> I refrain from getting involved in the particulars of someone's household. <laughs> but 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 because I am your host, I now have the discretion <laughs> of repeating this interesting law and I'm going to let you google it (laughs) you can go to abaforlawstudents.com and I'm going to do an article so the article will be out before the show because I'll do the article on BBS radio and they put it on Facebook and whatnot. And so when you listen to the show at its running time, seven o'clock, you will actually 
have the opportunity to reference this. It's called Parentage. P-A-R-E-N-T-A-G-E. And if I am misspelling it, it's because it is new, kind of like alternative facts. (laughs) Jab, jab, jab. (laughs) Now, I'm going to read it. It's only four sentences. Well, it's two long sentences, but they're no... Okay, I'll just read it. I won't be... Let me not be the English teacher. I'll just read it. Here we go. Open quote. A person, regardless of gender, will now be presumed to be a child's second legal parent if he or she was or subsequently becomes married to the child's mother slash father. The court will also have the discretion to refuse to order DNA testing if doing so would upset the stability of the child with his or her presumed parents. Close quote. Now you can get pissed off. (laughs) I don't know if I can say that word because (laughs) that word might be considered a curse word or something. So I want this show to be family friendly and I want it to be on Google Play and all that other stuff. So now you can think about that as long as you want. And I'll just make one other comp, comp, one other um, comment on that. Um, if you don't know if a child is yours and there has been some infidelity, and that means that if disrupt, disrupting the child's stability comes into play with this DNA testing, it's not going to happen, guys and gals. So you, at this point, should be very clear on who you marry. This is not fun. It's life. And life has its fun moments. But you should be very clear on your law, your state, and changes that, are, that have happened that come into play now in 2019. Now, in 2015 in Illinois, I don't know if you understand about spousal maintenance and al- the alimony rules. That the ma- There's like a mathematical formula change. So it used to be that if your gross income varied by 20%, that your spouse is entitled to spousal support. They're changing that. Now it's if the difference is less than 40% of the combined income, then that difference is considered a maintenance amount. Now, you can look at it. And these are for people that make less than $250,000. That bothers me. And I'm going to tell you why that bothers me. If you make less than $250,000, if you divorce, I don't care what anybody tells you. Ford Motor Credit's coming after both of you. It's on both of your credits. It doesn't matter if you're married, divorced. Those liabilities are yours jointly. I found that out the hard way and I'm just going to put it out there. I had to pay some debt that was not mine when I was in the marriage. It wasn't mine before I got married. But if I wanted to have good credit again, I had to pay it. And so I ate that salty flavor. I decided to eat it because it was worth my credit, was worth my credit score because I want to do some things in life. However, however, this puts an additional liability on families I believe that there is a a deficit for women that that file for divorce. There, there's a penalty for women that file for divorce. I think you have the liability there. And I won't get into the minutiae of it. But now here's a penalty for the middle income uh, families to file for divorce. If you make less than $250,000, you're paying spousal support. Now, who, which one of you is going to pay the spousal support? And how that new formula applies is an additional burden. It is an additional burden. So here's something that happened. <clears throat> I think this is a law that has already been in. It went into it went into effect 2015. I'm not sure if New York has already faced it, but New York added a needs-based test to divorce proceedings to prevent. Ordered child support and spousal maintenance 
maintenance payments. from leaving the paying spouse severely economically deprived, which means the law that just put into place, that the, the judge has a discretion to throw it out. You need to understand how to get that discretion. So if you make under $250,000 and the spousal support is going to mean that... For example, I'm a doctorate and I I clearly make over $250,000, but if I made $250,000 or under, and this would be a big burden for me to pay my ex this money, I now have to prove that paying spousal support and child support would leave me economically disadvantaged. Here's why... So then the judge can throw it out. So here's why it's it's kind of tempered. And I'm, I'm looking at it with one eye closed and an eyebrow raise, a lift raise. Here's why. If I now have to pay child support and spousal support because I'm the doctorate and the, the formula disparages him. So I now have to pay spousal support and child support. It doesn't matter. I don't, I don't get any more parental rights. Remember, custodial and non-custodial gets thrown out. So now I have this liability. I have to prove that I'm economically disadvantaged by paying this spousal support and child support, which means a judge now has the opportunity to throw it out, but I now have to prove that. Here's what bothers me and why I raise an eyebrow. I don't think that child support should should have the option of being thrown out. But I understand that if you take away the differences between joint and custodial, that you're right. It should be up for grabs. Hey, we're now just even Stephen. So you're not going to be more of a parent than I am, and I'm not going to be less of a parent than you are. And there's something now called residential jurisdiction. So we have to work out visitation time. Okay, fine. Let's work out visitation time so we all could be a lot more equal. So what this law is prepared to say is, hey, if we're 100, if the laws are changing for parental rights and we're just, we're both on the same square peg, I'm not custodial or non-custodial, you're not sole, I'm not managing, all of this, this language is being thrown out. We're just 50-50. And even though there's residential obligations, we're still just 50-50. Now we have this formula on spousal support and child support. But it puts if we're 50-50, it puts one parent at a liability. Okay? So now that one parent is at a liability, that parent can come and say, hey, this is going to cause me to be economically disadvantaged. Therefore, I think this should be thrown out. What I'm saying as your host (laughs) is that I do believe that child support is obligatory. I do believe that spousal support is obligatory. I don't believe it should be as high as the formula conditions it as. But I don't think that there should be an excuse that you should pay 25 cents a week. All right. Kids need to be taken care of. Parents can be yo-yos and buffoons and yet this small loophole that causes more of an instability to the child than a DNA test I think ah it's up for debate that's why family law ticks people off now what's gonna curse I'm telling you right now I was gonna curse (laughs) the reason I did not is because I want iHeartRadio to pick me up I don't, I don't want to have to put explicit. I don't want to be tagged with an explicit show. Can I say explicitatory? Is that a word? <clears throat> or is it now a word and going to be found in Wikipedia because of our culture and demands of today? I don't know. Just asking. Jab, jab, jab. Okay. So. Now, here, here's, here's one thing that I like 
about the upcoming. Do I need to take a break? Let me think. Let me see what time it is. Because there are some things that I like about the upcoming changes with family. So I'm going to take a break now. We're going to run for another eight minutes. And then um, I'll talk about some of the changes that I do like facing child and parent separation. We'll be right back. To hear more Healthy Family First programming, go to bbsradio.com forward slash Healthy Families First. One of the biggest benefits of magazine and online advertisements is that it's easy for them to appear before a target audience. While a newspaper reaches a broad spectrum of people, a magazine is designed for people who have shared interests or values. At Healthy Families First, whether your awareness campaign markets education, family, kids, parents, food choice, pediatrics, Endor Entertainment, we're here to help. Visit healthyfamiliesfirst.learn-edu.org. And we're back. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, I'm always excited that uh, I'm here. Every time I can stop what I'm doing and host a show, it's really exciting. You're listening to Healthy Families First. I'm your host, Dr. Raquel Lea. Here's why I'm excited. Because number one, we've been gone for 45 days and we have fresh news. <laughs> number two, the book that we're doing is is pretty is pretty rich and can can help you can feel kind of down after you find out your situation in that and the book brings out some some stuff that you don't want to talk about or face. And so sometimes it, it as as a host of a show, I can kind of get down. I can feel down and, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot that, that people have to take in. Now, thank you to our sponsors. We're going to be updating some of our commercials come January. I want to thank BBS Radio and Doug and Douglas for all their hard work that they've done to push our broadcast. And they've done a lot. If you guys are thinking about a podcast and I'm I'm giving them a tweet. Tweet, tweet. Wait, wait, let me see. <laughs> I hope they think that's funny. Um, it, I'm, I'm doing kind of a shout out to them that they have gone far and beyond the call of duty to um, provide a good service. Now, I would like to think that they provide that good service as a courtesy to me because I am very influential, I am charismatic, and beautiful. <laughs> That's not why they do it. <laughs> I know they're going to hear this. The reason they do it is because they're good at what they do. <laughs> okay, so, all right, so let me get back to the fun part of... Um, what I was going to say here, here's, here's one of the things that I kind of am an advocate for in family law, <clears throat> the changes in family law. One of the changes that there are circumstances in which a couple can get a limited divorce and those details can be clarified and simplified. I advocate for limited divorces. I do. It might, I think that our system has decided to punish parents and families when it doesn't work out. And I believe that, um, again, grown-ups are yahoos and yo-yos. And there's a reason why we call them X's and O's. What? Ooh, that's me being a little cultural, uh, diverse. Okay. We call them X's and O's for a reason. And... And 
I will, I will, I will mention this in my, in about regarding my divorce. I think I can mention this and, and legally speaking, this won't get me into any trouble. I knew, and, and my ex, we knew we were going to get a divorce. We have several emails going back and forth, trying to work out the particulars of the divorce before we got, um, the divorce courts involved and before we, before we wanted to make a public announcement. And we thought that doing it quietly under mediation will cost us a lot of, will, will be a lot less dollars. Instead, one of us, and I won't say which one because then I could be sued. One of us decided that all bets were off. And one of us decided that this divorce was going to cost over $200,000. One of us decided that. And and a year and a half of our time. Okay, I'm going to leave that there. One of us. Now, this allows, this law allows uh, one to get a limited divorce and it for it to be clarified and simplified. In order to do that, you can't be a yahoo and a yo-yo. You may be ticked off for, for whatever varying circumstances there are. But listen, men and women, put your big girl and boy panties on and draws on. And let's work out and hash out the details. It's going to cost you a lot less money. If you're looking at a costly divorce that's going to have... Um, some financial regard that you're going to have to face. You're going to have to figure out these bills. You're going to have to figure out the stability of the children. The last thing you need to be doing is being a Yahoo and a yo-yo. The law recognizes now, now, well, let me read it how it says. In Maryland, these notable changes have taken effect. So I read the one that I like, Okay. Open quote, circumstances in which a couple can get a limited divorce have been clarified and simplified. The law will know, will now recognize that if two parties no longer live together and one of them wants a divorce, neither the court nor the state should prevent the process. Close quote. Now, the court and the state will prevent the process. They'll elongate the process and you'll have to pay a year to a year and a half of these fees. It's got to be done a certain way. You got to petition this way. You got to petition that way. You got to have that party serve. This party's got to show up. Then if they want not to show up, then the due diligence says they get this. All of that's cut out. If both parties will work together, we can just get through it. That's what I like. That's what I like. It, it's, Oh my goodness, I'm going to move on before I go down a road. I don't need to be down, very unprofessionally speaking. And then this is going to get very explicit. So here's how I will, I, well, well, I was going to end. I was going to end. You're going to have to download it because I'm going to go a little over. Now, the law also states that in Maryland, couples no longer have to reside in the state for a year if they want to get a divorce. I like that. You should not have to go back to your original state to get a divorce. Now, you, if you've been in Maryland for six months, doesn't matter where you got married, you can get a divorce right there. All right, I like that. Um, it's, it, it also talks about, they Maryland will also allow a written agreement that addresses property, spousal support, and other related issues as an exemption. Um, so there's some conditions regarding that, but it, it's it's workable. There are some family laws, I just mentioned three, that are workable that I agree with if parents can't get along. And I advocate for divorce. Get, get that person out of my face. If I'm done, I'm done. I advocate for divorce. I don't think both of us should be miserable. I am only going to be here until I'm 118. After And I cannot waste 75 of those years messing around with a Yahoo or Yo-Yo. Okay. <laughs> there, I said it. Okay. So I'm going to pray for families. You know, we always end where we pray for families. And I want families to um, begin to advocate their legacy in their generation, okay? So this one is much shorter, um, and I'll go back to the, I'm going to only say it in English, but I'll go back to the one um, for families, individual 
uh, next week. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hereby take upon myself to fulfill the commandment of loving my neighbor as myself. Until later. So this is where our journey must end. And saying good evening and goodbye to you today does not mean that you don't get another opportunity to impact your generation, legislation, and effective change in your kinship and relationship with your child or your children. And as always, the vision of our broadcast is incomplex that you consider, catch, check out and cradle simple approaches to parenting and communication. And we are here to help support. And in kind, your generosity helps parents' liberties and freedoms from constraint to guide and parent their children and grandchildren in safe and healthy places. Won't you become a patron today? Visit our supporters page at patreon.com slash Healthy Families First.